I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We just wanted to acknowledge uh, that... There is an NCAA investigation uh, that is currently engaged with our athletic department and our football program specifically. Uh, we want you to know that uh, we have complied 100% with the NCAA, been very collaborative uh, in our approach with them in terms of all of their investigation. We will continue to do whatever the NCAA has asked us to do. Uh, our coaches, including Coach Frost, have done a great job uh, and have been very accessible in working with the NCAA as we've worked through these allegations. So this is an ongoing investigation, obviously. So while we would love to pre- provide additional context and details, we simply can't do that at this time. Uh, our players have been laser focused on Illinois. They're still laser focused on Illinois. Nothing's gonna change that. Feel great about where the team is right now. We're looking forward to a week from Saturday. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Just when you thought it was going to be a drama-free fall camp and the height of our fall camp was going to be talking about Travis Vokalek's injury, (laughs) (laughs) then we had Wednesday. So um, that was Trev Alberts, Nebraska's new athletic director, having a pretty eventful first month on the job. He's trying to get the sellout streak intact and, um, you know, move the final tickets for Fordham and Buffalo and then Brett McMurphy, the uh, assassin of college football media, comes out with his second kill shot to Nebraska. Early, if you remember, McMurphy broke the news in March about the Huskers trying to get out of the Oklahoma series. McMurphy, um, who writes for the stadium, and is, is Action in? Are they different? The, the Action Network. It's so, kind of his own little media. Like he's kind of spearheading this new media outlet. On top that, of Stadium? That coincidentally is uh, now publishing these types of stories. So Brett McMurphy breaks the news that Nebraska is under NCAA investigation for illegal use of analysts, which I was told that there's – several teams currently under invest that this is not necessarily a big deal i think there's 10 or 12 teams that are being investigated for this it happens a lot essentially you have analysts robin on your staff that can't have on-field coaching duties the only people that can coach on the field between the lines are your head coach your 10 assistants and your four gas so after that your analysts can't be on the grass and so that that's something that it's been an ongoing thing in college football for years, but then McMurphy slid in about the um, the illegal workouts Nebraska conducted over COVID. But Nebraska ran, you know, what they did through compliance. The players had a place that they lifted weights at last year. They paid money to utilize it, like a gym membership. It was all run through compliance. So there, there's a lot of interesting things here. I what it reads off to me is that there's definitely somebody that has an axe to grind against Scott Frost. That's pretty disgruntled about things. Um, and, and you could have a list of possible suspects of who that person might be. Yeah, and I guess <laughs> be speculation at this point. But, uh, you know, I guess we'll, we'll start with the, the analyst thing. Like, when you read that, it, it doesn't do anything for me. I mean, like, so Nebraska had the one analyst, Jonathan Rutledge, special teams guy, and they were one of the only Big Ten, if not the only Big Ten schools that didn't have a full-time special teams coach. So 
I guess I could see how that line got blurred a little bit and maybe Rutledge was doing more on the field than he was supposed to. But you know what? I guess so what? I guess slap him on the wrist and, and move on. And then the workouts, you know, I guess we'll, we'll see, you know, what, what comes of that. But, you know, as, as Scott Frost mentioned, you know, when he addressed the situation with Trev Alberts on Wednesday, uh, everything that they did during that COVID year, like you said, was approved by not only just within the athletic department, but with the university. So two levels of administration within the university and the athletic department uh, signed off on it. So clearly this wasn't some, or at least what as Scott Frost puts it, some sneaky little thing that they were doing to get uh, a leg up on, on the rest of the league. So I guess I'm, I need to hear more if, if that kind of triggers anything. But then with the Oklahoma thing, that just seemed like kind of a, kind of regurgitating a, an old storyline at this point like Scott already addressed that at media days and he had the same answer again on Wednesday that um, you know, he insists that he made zero phone calls uh, about their schedule and that's not his job and nothing he even worries about uh, and you know he said that they really after the Ireland game got canceled they knew they had to do something with that non-conference schedule because they didn't want to play have and a have a week off right out of the gates because it didn't make any sense so I don't know maybe, maybe that's what that that whole thing stems from but you know there's no coincidence it's not a coincidence to me that brett mcmurphy is citing a source back in march about the oklahoma thing and then in august another unnamed source is also mentioning the oklahoma stuff once again there's there's probably a connection between those two unanimous uh, anonymous sources yeah there's somebody that really wants to kind of ramrod scott frost here and, and kind of knock him off the tracks here we are about a week away from that season opener in Champaign, Nebraska has their best chance to start a season off, Robin, 3-0 and um, since 2016. And it would be the first time Scott Frost potentially has won three games in a row. And, and you throw this landmine out there to kind of try to trip things up heading out to Champaign. So where this all goes, nobody really knows at this point. I think it will probably quiet down now because what more can be said? Yeah, I mean, and as we know, the NCAA doesn't work quickly. Like they're going to look at Kansas. Yes, they're going to drag their feet on this, and this is something that might, if anything comes of it, it'll be like years down the road. So they're talking about like a potential thing that Frost could face is a suspension for uh, X amount of games. It's like okay, yeah, they're just going to say rush a suspension a week before, ten days before the first game, based off these loosely uh, defined allegations. So I, I don't think anything is going to impact this season and one of the questions to, to Scott today was if he thought this would be a distraction he said no he said the team's still laser focused and I don't really think that the team cares that much about this now if there's any like immediate repercussions sure that could be a distraction but right now this is more for the the national media types to throw down some more dunks on Nebraska on Twitter and uh for you know, all that cheating sure led to yeah, wins yeah exactly and for, for Nebraska fans to kind of roll their eyes and, and take a deep uh, frustrated sigh that you know once again Nebraska is in the news for all the wrong reasons and I think that's kind of the biggest issue for me with this like I said I don't the the, the allegations and stuff like it, it is what it is to me like the, Nebraska's hardly the the school, only school doing stuff like that I mean Alabama has 10 analysts on staff you don't former think, like NFL head you don't coaches. think any of those guys are on the field giving instruction give me a break so you know whatever and then you know with the the schedule stuff like that that was news that was interesting in march so like for, for all this like the, the the issue for me is that once again nebraska is getting embarrassed and it's even for the most trivial stuff 
this has kind of been a theme over the last you know three and a half years here where uh, the just the, the amount of bad news and bad looks Nebraska has had. Just win games. It's really just I mean, started just freaking win. Gosh. And when you lose, I, <laughs> I mean, just win games. Job, I mean, that's all you got to do is win games. And even Moose's abrupt retirement. I mean, just yeah, because just he been, got paid. He didn't retire. He got he got paid out the whole contract. And so it's just all little stuff like that that in, individually is just little in the in the big picture inconsequential stuff but when you compound it all on top of each other where seemingly one month or one week after another there's stuff like this that comes out it just wears on you and you at some point you just got to tell nebraska to just figure figure it out and you know, keep stuff like this from happening so frequently all right well we've got a full show on tap we'll take questions later in the mailbag as well as talk recruiting but when we come back on the husker online show we are going to talk fall camp and we will talk offensive storylines, kind of where things are at next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I like where we're at right now is from a focus standpoint. Um, it's been a long camp, but a good camp. A lot of improvement. Our guys are excited to play an opponent. We're getting ready for that opponent and starting to do some scout looks. And our guys are really excited, energetic about that. And of just going against ourselves every day. Really fired up about how our guys have prepared all camp. We're, we're a much improved team. We still got some work to do, but we're a much improved football team. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett as Nebraska getting ready for Illinois. That was offensive coordinator Matt Lubick. They started early just preparations this week and not necessarily all scout team work. They did some good on good, meaning starters versus starters top units top units and you know you, you saw Nebraska's top units run Illinois concepts against the offense and then against the defense to give them a better look and um, yeah I think that's something when you play a conference game out of the gates Robin this is not Fordham week one you're playing a legit opponent in terms of athletic ability and speed and I think they're doing their best this week to try to simulate that well and that's one of the luxuries too is uh, you know having a game like this right out of the gates is you have more time to spend more time on preparing for it so Nebraska knows the magnitude uh, of this game and you know they're doing everything they can to, to get a jump on making sure they as are as prepared as, as humanly possible to, to do this so um, you know I think that that's that's a smart thing because the there's no doubt about it that the looks you're going to get from your scout team are going to be significantly different than your starters. And so to be able to not only uh, prepare, uh, you know, your, your defense for what Illinois is going to run offense, but also vice versa. Uh, I think that is a, a, a smart way to prepare for this and utilize the extra time of preparation that you have, uh, you know, coming into week zero. You're listening here to the Husker online show. No depth chart, Robin put out for Nebraska yet. Um, in camp and I would assume we'll get that Monday if we get it and I think we will I mean I don't think there's a lot of surprises here I, I think we know Matt Sichterman's going to start at right guard I think we hope and assume that Turner Corcoran is going to be back at left tackle if he's not back it's gonna be Brand Banks the running back we think Sevian Morrison is probably the guy 
uh, not Savion Morrison, excuse me, um, Gabe Gabe Urban, Gabe Urban. But then Savion Morrison and Marquis Stepp are probably in that conversation as well. A little bit of intrigue maybe on those three wide receivers, mainly Omar Manning. You know, is Omar Manning going to be a starter? I think we know Samori Torre, and I think Oliver Martin are going to be starters. But would Omar Manning be another guy that starts for this team this year? You would think, uh, from a talent perspective, he's absolutely a starter. But as we know full well, uh, there's well a lot more to his situation than just, just talent and ability. So we haven't heard anything to suggest otherwise, that he hasn't done what he's supposed to do to keep himself in that position. He was a starter for the red team in the spring game. And, I mean, I guess publicly nothing's been said to suggest that's changed. So um, I still think the running back situation is interesting where – you know, on, on Wednesday when Matt Lubick was talking, you know, the first guy that he mentioned was Savion Morrison. And so th- there's been a lot of talk about the jump he's made this fall. And obviously so much of it has to do with him just staying on the field. I mean, he missed all last season with uh, that injury and, you know, dealt with COVID and uh, was kind of in and out of action this spring. So for the first time since he's been here, he's actually stayed healthy. And he's the talents again he's another one of those guys that but when he was committed uh it was a big deal because he was a four-star 5,000 career rushing uh type of guy down from Tulsa that you know was going to compete for a starting job from day one but obviously got derailed out of the gates now he's back on track and you know there's not much of an experience edge there but uh, I think that when you look at his progress, Gabe Irvin's immediate impact, um, and then, you know, Marquis Stepp getting healthy again and working his way back closer to 100%, that gives them three really good options at that running back spot to where I don't think that they're going to be able to go workhorse running back to start. Maybe that guy emerges as the season goes on, but uh, I think you're going to see a committee approach, and all three of those guys bring something different to the table that uh, I think Nebraska can do a lot of different things with. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Wash. As uh, we talk through fall camp, I think one thing we've learned, Robin, over the course of this camp is Nebraska is going to be more physical on offense. And they've tipped their hand just enough to let you know they've changed what they want to be. And Marquis Stepp made those comments that, you know, just how physical they've been running the ball. And, and you, you've heard the offensive line say that. You've heard Greg Austin say, I love, I want to get one of those hats and say, run the damn ball. Um, you know, they've taken on that mentality. Now, we've heard this, Robin, over past Augusts before in, in Lincoln. Will they follow through mm-hmm. with this run-the-ball mentality? Can they do it in the Big Ten? I mean, that's the other thing. I think everybody wishes they could do it, but can you do it? Can you win at the point attack and create quality rushing yards on early downs? Well, I mean, obviously that comes down to, one, getting an established backfield where you have guys you can count on from week to week where – uh, the last you know couple seasons, that has not been the case whatsoever. So some stability at running back is the, the first major component. And maybe the equally big component is the offensive line. Uh, if they need to be as good as everyone is projecting that they can be. Uh, granted, they're a relatively young group in terms of game experience and, and snaps, but uh, they, they should be better with the way that uh, Nebraska has been able to kind of revamp that group physically uh, over the past few recruiting classes. You know, a lot of those big gets that they've gotten over the past few years have kind of emerged into, you know, being game ready now. And they need to have it click uh, across the board on that group for this running gap game to really take off the way they want it to. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk through fall camp offensive storylines I think the other thing Robin for this thing to work this year they've got to get big plays whether it's on the ground through the air the plays of 
even 30 yards or more, 20 yards or more, just weren't there last year. And it makes everything that much more difficult. So when you hear things in camp about 60, 65 yard runs by Gabe Irvin and big plays from the receivers, when you hear Samori Torre and Oliver Barton are two of the three fastest guys on the show, that was something JoJo Doman shared during the beat um, about a week ago. I think that's encouraging that they've got more speed and big playability because that just changes everything they do. Well, that has been the one of the glaring issues since Scott Frost has been here. I mean, maybe 2018 was the exception, but I mean, the, the lack of home run ability uh, this offense has had has been staggering. Uh, when you have to dink and dunk and chip away three, four yards at a time uh, for a team that already struggles with staying out of its own way and making mental mistakes and being careless with the football – the longer you're out there and the, the more plays it takes you to get uh, to the goal line, uh, the more opportunity there is to screw up. And so when you have those home run plays, it eliminates uh, some of the, uh, the chances there to, to have uh, some of those negative costly plays. And so I, that has to become part of this option or uh, of this offense and you know, do so in some re- regularity as well to where you're not relying on one guy. I mean, last year, there was maybe two or three guys that even had that ability to get a 20-plus yard play. Well, now on paper and from the reports we've heard, they've got a number of guys that seem to have that type of ability at several different positions. And I think that the tight end position has been talked about a bunch, the receivers obviously, and if they can get those running backs to play up to the level that, that they want, that all of a sudden, you know, Adrian Martinez, your fourth-year starting quarterback, has a lot to work with. And so the Stars seem to be aligned, but that will be a huge component to this offense taking that jump. Well, and Adrian can't run the balls much. I mean, there's a statistic I read this week that he leads the nation by far for quarterback rushing yards returning in college football. That's not a good stat. No, especially especially when you're not running like an option. I mean, when maybe. Eric when 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 Martinez is getting more rushing yards than Eric Crouch and Jamal Lord in this type of offense, that's not a good stat. No. I mean, they've got to improve that. Uh, going forward we come back let's shift the focus to defense robin as we'll give some final thoughts here through fall camp on nebraska's defense you're listening here to the husker online show you're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. The, the, the rah-rah speeches at this point are, aren't what we need, aren't what um, we're looking for, I guess, for our guys. We don't want guys that we need to motivate, right? Everyone um, should be out there uh, motivated. It's more of a, a mental side of things, um, you know, locking in on the details, um, playing smart football. Um, not beating ourselves, uh, being smart penalty-wise. That's really what we're we're trying to hone in on in these last two weeks. We got um, just playing really smart football. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as that was Ben Stilley talking about just where this defense is at. And, you know, it brings me to this topic, Robin, captains. Um, something that we should learn here by week's end, uh, what direction that goes with the program. Um, you have to think a guy like Ben Stilley is going to be a captain this year. He was not a year ago. Um, but you look at the dynamic of this roster, I mean, I, I think you could easily have five or six captains. I think if they just did four, it's going to be pretty tough. Obviously, Adrian Martinez, Austin Allen, ring a bell right away. I, I think Cam Jurgens, from everything I've heard, is in that conversation. That's really, for me, on the offense, the only captains I'd 
that's my group. I don't know if do you have anyone else I'm missing. The only other guy, and he just hasn't been here, so I don't think he's in the Torre. mix. Would be Torre, just because he's kind of been the the leader of that receiving core. But I mean, he I just can't, hasn't I can't played see a snap being, yeah. as a Husker. He can't be a captain. Then on defense, it's Stilly, it's JoJo Doman, and then one at least one defensive back. Probably one of those safeties. Arkham Taylor Britt. Yeah. And you know, I've talked to these guys that when they come up here for the Doman show. And Doman and, and others, and you know, you would think Deontay is the leader, but actually, Dismuke is right up there too. I mean, yeah. he does a lot of leadership in his own way. And then Cam Taylor Britt is a leader of this team too, and he's a fourth-year player. Don't mm-hmm. let the COVID yeah. foolery. I mean, he, he's a senior. He, he, he's a fourth-year guy. So he, this is his last year at Nebraska, unless he gets hurt or something happens. So I, that's a tough one on defense. What do you do there? Because I, I feel like there's probably four or five guys that you could look at for those captain spots yeah and so i mean i guess they sent deontay to indy to so that's usually an, a sign of yeah but adrian how and they Ka- do things but he yeah. got to go by default yeah. the, the guys that went to indy went because jojo couldn't go and adrian couldn't go all the key guys that were supposed to go did not go I mean, that was a that was kind of a, a plan B group. And I think Markel, I mean, the fact that he's been here as long as he did and his his path, you know, the fact that he stuck it out, like, I think that's like the ultimate reward for a guy like that. And, you know, especially when you pair it with uh, the talk about his leadership on the field and in that secondary group, I mean, he, he would make a lot of sense. But, you know, if you had to pick one of those DBs as far as profile goes, I mean, Cam Taylor Britt is clearly ahead of everyone else. Yeah, it will be uh, a tough call. I don't think they can do just four. I mean, I really think if you do four, you're going to leave out some good people. And captain stuff has been interesting the last couple of years at Nebraska. I mean, Cade Warner was a captain last year. Yes. Over Jack <laughs> over Jack Stahl. I mean, over other veteran guys that could have maybe been in that role. I mean, Cade Warner was a captain last year over Ben Stilley. Uh-huh. He had a good mustache. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's just been some interesting – you know, and Farniak was like a multi-year captain – yeah. And good leader, but you know, he, he, I, I think that room has maybe taken a step forward with new guys being able to step up in roles that they weren't able to because High Miss, Farniak, Bo Wilson really commanded the voice of the room because they were the veterans. But now it's allowed Jurgens and others to kind of speak up more. Yeah, I think Jurgens is certainly the guy you look at. I mean, every interview uh, on the offensive line that, that talks about him just raves about how much he's emerged as a vocal leader and how, you know, he sets the the standard and demands perfection and, you know, holds everybody accountable and is, you know, trying to get this, this black shirt men or sorry, this pipeline mentality uh, on that group that, uh, I mean, I think he's the no brainer pick. If you're going to pick one of those offensive linemen, he is the guy, he's the heart and soul in the middle of that O line, um, especially one where there's just not a lot of, of, of veteran uh, experience there. So, um, yeah, I think keeping it to four is, is would be tough, and you'd be leaving out a very deserving candidate or two. So you know, I don't have anything wrong with going a little bit more than four, uh, especially when you got guys that actually deserve it. It's not just a matter of you know playing politics. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk defense with Robin Washett here. Um, you know, another thing, Robin, I'm interested in is that other corner spot, where that goes. Um, you know, is Tyreek Johnson really got a chance at it, or is it Quentin Newsom's? Um, or is Braxton Clark in this thing more than people think? So that's one. I, I tend to believe it's Quentin Newsom's job, just from everything I've seen but or heard, and we'll see where that goes. But that that's really the only, I think, depth chart intrigue at this point. 
Yeah, and the specialists. I mean, we don't know who the kickoff guy is at this point. There hasn't been said. Uh, you know, some of the return spots are, are still out there for, for grabs. And then, you know, obviously punter uh, is another one of those. But as far as, you know, your, your top 22 there, yeah, that corner spot's kind of the one unknown. Well, that and running back. Uh, but on defense, I mean, that, that was the one glaring spot going into the spring. And it seemed like Newsom had a pretty good leg up coming out of spring ball. And yeah, they brought in Tyreek Johnson, but I just don't know if, from from the reports we've heard, there's been enough to unseat Newsom at this point. And he does have as much game experience as anyone in that group after Cam Taylor Britt. Then on you know defense, how many black shirts will they give out, and when will they give them out? I would assume those black shirts get given out by Monday of next week. Yeah, usually it's the game week, the first game week when the true depth chart gets dropped. But there, there are you know you, you just look at okay. Do you give Nick Henrich one if he's not a starter um, with Kalarovic and Reimer? Then at outside linebacker, what do you do with Feldarius Payne, Caleb Tanner, and Garrett Nelson? Do they all get one or just one? I mean, I think there's a couple of those, like Casey Rogers. Yep. He may not be a starter, but I, I think he's probably a black shirt. Yeah. I mean, the, I know people get frustrated when you go beyond 11 because that was kind of the original intent of the whole deal. And, you know, I mean, Bo took it like, what do you get, like 17 one year or something like that. Uh, so, I mean, like there's ways where you can give out too many, but this is a deal where if they want to, if they rotate the way that they are capable of and want to uh, at some key positions, you're going to have guys that are going to be playing starter level snaps and inside linebacker is one of those. And on the defensive line, uh, you know, D tackle is one of those. Uh, and, you know, who knows what's going to happen at corner if there's going to be a rotation there. So, uh I wouldn't be like upset if they went a few spots. I could see fifteen. 11. Yeah, Casey Rogers. Yeah, either Tanner or Nelson. Both those guys are going to get one. Not Payne. I don't think Payne. We'll see. I, so you get that's we're at thirteen. Okay, and then Henrich. That's fourteen, and then may, maybe another corner. Or do you just give it to the, whoever wins the job? Yeah. Miles Farmer was a. St- I mean, I don't yeah. think he'll get one though. I think that that's when you start getting yeah and upset the message board territory. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> if they kept it that, it would be hard to argue because every one of those guys, like I said, they're going to play a ton of snaps. They're going to be critical pieces of this defense and starter or not, you know, you, black shirts. I guess now have kind of morphed into this deal where uh, you know they're they're the the, the key the, the biggest pieces of the defense, not necessarily the eleven starters. All right, when we come back here on the show we're going to shift over to the mailbag Husker Online's Abby Barmore will join us here as lots of questions as you can imagine as Nebraska getting ready to uh, transition to Illinois game week but plenty of questions in our mailbag segment next you're listening here to the Husker Online show you're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I don't know that we have a game plan uh, to give the numbers to the fans. We certainly have a game plan internally. We met again this morning and... uh, uh, we're continuing to sell tickets, which is really good. I'm really comp. We're going to be sold out. Uh, we're 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 very close. Uh, uh, just had a couple games that were weren't quite where we needed them to be, and you can probably guess what those are. 
Uh, so, uh, but I'm really proud of our team, proud of the effort that they put in, and, and, and quite frankly, really proud of uh, the response of what our fans have been in terms of the importance of, uh, of the sellout streak to them. I, I feel like we're going to be in really good shape there. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. It's been quite a show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Abby Parmore as the sellout streak is not even really on the radar, but Trev Alberts at the Lincoln Country Club during the uh, Lincoln Chamber speech on Tuesday um, really addressed those numbers and updated them where they're at. Uh, feels very, very confident Nebraska is going to get uh, to those numbers. So we'll see if that all takes fruition. Uh, but let's bring in Abby Barmore uh, and take some questions in the mailbag. Abby, what do you have to lead us off? How difficult do you think it will be for this team to game plan against a new staff at Illinois? And how is the staff going to prepare for it? Well, I think there's always a challenge with an opener, even if it isn't a veteran staff. I mean, because you're going to see new things no matter what. But I think in some ways it's an advantage for Nebraska as well because they can throw new wrinkles out at a new coaching staff that hasn't really seen and then force them to have to you know, game plan and adjust for the first time as a new staff together. Because this is not a staff that came from one place together. It's a mismatch of, guy or mismatch of guys. So um, you can look at it both ways, I think, Robin. Well, and the schemes will be obviously significantly different uh, under Brad Bielema, but personnel-wise, there's a lot of similarities there with the 22 uh, or 21 uh, super seniors that are back for Illinois this year. So, I mean, if nothing else, at least they can gauge uh, that aspect of it and know what guys can do and can't do and um, you know, maybe prepare for, for certain strengths that otherwise you might not be able to do. How is this staff's roster management? The classes seem very lopsided. Is that good, bad, or irrelevant? It, it's just the reality of the game today. You're just going to see a lot more guys transfer and not wait things out. I mean, you look at Nebraska's class of 2019, for example, the one that had Wandell Robinson and Luke McCaffrey. Nine members of that class have gotten to campus and left already. Um, and, you know, that's just a couple years. And then, you know, one of those guys, Desmond Bland, never ended up uh, signing or making it. So really 10 of the 27 on the rivals commit list are not here. So there's 17 remaining members of that class at Nebraska at this point. So that's just the reality, unfortunately, of the game that we're in. Um, you know, you hope it gets better and better every year. But guys are going to leave now a lot quicker than ever before because of the transfer portal. Yeah, it's not going to change either. I mean, you probably see another round of it here uh, as fall camps come to a close and, and, and depth charts start coming out where guys get a, a real look at where they actually stand in the pecking order and will decide to go ahead and uh, move on to, to find greener pastures somewhere else. How do you think this defense will stack up compared to our defenses from 2012 to 2020? Yeah, that was a really good question because I do think Pelini, as we know, on, on those teams had some decent NFL players. You know, Joshua Kalu, Chris Jones, Compton, Rand, Compton Randy Gregory. But I, I think the depth of the entire unit when you look at this team is as good or better than those teams. Um, you know, somebody made a great po point on our board looking at some of those defensive lines, mm -hmm. and you know, you had guys like AJ Natter. You know, in the, in the top eight, and they would never even be in the rotation or thinking right now with the group of players Nebraska has. So I think they've done a good job of shoring it up. Think about this, Robin: the Big Twelve or Big Ten championship game in 2012, 2012. You had Cam Meredith and Chase Rome starting at defensive tackle for the Huskers that year. Yeah, I mean, in the secondary, I mean, there were some pretty good DBs that came through, especially in the, those early. 2010s. Deontay um, Evans was but, a good deal. But the but, big difference for me is in the trenches, uh, up on that defensive line, where I think this group up front is far and away the best group Frost has had. But I'll take it even further. Like you mentioned, 
in a lot of ways, that was the weak point for Bo's defenses. After, you know, the Jared Cricks and, and Sue's left, uh, they had some real issues in that interior defensive line. It was line. Thad Randall. It was yeah. Kevin Maurice. Yeah, and so, I mean, you know, you've had, like, the, the Davis twins and, and, you know, guys like that. But I think top to bottom, just not only with their frontline talent, but the depth they have at all three of those spots, uh, this is as good as it's been this decade. The glaring weak spot would be maybe that open corner spot, and that's Quentin Newsom probably of today is my guess. And mm-hmm. you know, but other than that, the other ten spots are, are really good looking starters, and they have good depth behind them. What do you got next, Abby? With all four transfer portal guys expected to be on the two deep chart, where would you place the unders and overs for how many they add next year? I mean, I think every year you, you just are going to look at three to five every year. And it dis- you can't really guess what position it's going to be until you get to December. And I think every December you're going to say, okay, what do we need for next year? What do we need to get here in January to make our team better? And this year Nebraska is like, we need a running back. We need a wide receiver. We need this. We need that. And they got those guys here. So I think you you have to kind of reevaluate that and then look in the portal in December and see who comes in there and then get those guys to your campus in January. Yeah, especially like we talked about with you know the ever-evolving uh, transfer portal. I mean, there's there's always going to be new needs that pop up that you don't expect to, to sit here and predict You know what areas they're going to need to address the transfer portal now and in August is uh, obviously way too premature to have any clue on that. Who is your sleeper on offense and defense this year and why? <sighs> sleeper on offense... Maybe Sevion Morrison, just because I don't feel like people were really expecting a ton out of him, um, and, and you know, in this running back race, uh, you know, during the spring especially. And then on defense, I mean, you, you can go so many different ways um, on on that one. I'll say Jordan Riley. I think you know another guy that just didn't get an opportunity last year, and he could be on the field a lot this year. I went with Will Nixon. Uh, I think he doesn't get talked about nearly enough in that wide receiver conversation. Obviously, there's the the front line, and then the, the Xavier Betts, and you know Wyatt Lever, and you know Levi Falks, and those guys. But Will Nixon is plenty good enough to be firmly in that rotation uh, with the, what he brings that slot receiver position. I think that he's got a very productive career ahead of him. And then uh, on defense, I went Braxton Clark. You know, he a lot of times he was kind of the odd man out in that cornerback discussion, but it seems like he's very much in play to not only, you know, be a a rotation guy, but also potentially still push for a starting job, depending on uh, what happens over the next week or so. In a league where Frost famously said, we need to get old and stay old, is the offense in trouble, especially when they have zero proven players? I I guess I don't look at it like that because they've got a four-year starting quarterback. They've got veteran tight ends. Um, they said even though Marquis step is new he's a veteran running back now and, and you've got other young talented guys around him cam Jurgens is you know a fourth year player on that line brant banks is in his third year ben hart's now in his third year at nebraska the covid year kind of really complicates that because guys are still freshmen that should be dang near sophomores and juniors because of the COVID year of eligibility. Yeah, youth is is relative. Like on paper, you see a bunch of freshmen, redshirt freshmen, sophomores, but those are like third and fourth year guys. So they've been in the program. They're established players, at least knowing what they're supposed to do and, and knowing their role. So there's an element of experience there, but there, the reality is that from a game perspective, it's it's limited and especially at some very key spots you know at the skill positions and in some spots on the offensive line final question here abby 
How many Husker fans do you expect to travel to Champaign, and where are the best tailgating spots? You know, as far as Champaign goes, I still think we could see them around 10,000, mainly because I think people are starving to see football. There's nothing going on yet that time of year. There's no other college football to compete against it. Um, I, I really think we'll get a nice showing of Nebraska fans. Um, Robin and I have made every trip to Champaign since they've been in the Big Ten, and it wouldn't surprise me, Robin, if this was as good of a showing as we've seen. There's always been kind of ugly weather out there normally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that you know might play a part in it, but it's a it's a drivable trip. It's a long drive. I've done it, uh, but it's it's doable, um, and it's a better town than I think some people give it credit for. Like it's not the worst. <laughs> We've been to much worse <laughs> campuses, even in the Big Ten. There's there's good bars, there's good restaurants there, and as far you as, can find the fun everywhere. Exactly, and so you know you you can have a good time there, uh, and for tailgating. You know, there's, there's, uh, it's a sports complex, so it's surrounded. It's like the Chiefs and uh, Royals. Like, it's two stated with their basketball arena and their football stadium. They basically share parking lots, and so there's just kind of a big concrete area. But right outside, I can't remember what direction, there's a big green space that they do, like, a little public, uh, family-friendly thing. So you could find your, like, traditional tailgates, I'm sure, in any one of those massive parking lots. But then if you want to, like, take the kids and, and do something, like see a band, they have that little uh, event before the game. And then our go-to place is Papa Del's Pizza. That, yes. That's like if you're Absolutely. trying to – if you got one meal in Champagne and you want to do something Chicago-y or Illinois, go to Papa Del's Pizza. And it's not Chicago-style pizza. Like it's, it's You can get it both ways. Yeah, so we usually don't. We usually yeah. get the traditional. And then uh, Black Smoke is our Black Dog Barbecue. Yeah, Black Dog Smoke and Ale House. There's two locations. We've been to both. <laughs> yeah. GPS took us to one one year and then the other the next year. Yeah. That's a good spot. And we are going to venture possibly – we haven't confirmed our plans, but we're looking to go to the – the Beef House, which is about a 40-minute drive out of town, but recommended by Channel 1011's Kevin Suits. So we will venture our way maybe to the Beef House. Yeah, anything called the Beef House it already has my seal of approval. This reminds me of like a good old-fashioned South Omaha Steakhouse. So that's our plans for Champagne. Hopefully we see some of you guys um, on the road. I know a lot of listeners and uh, will we'll be down there in Champaign. So hopefully you're listening to the Husker Online show on your drive down. So when we come back, we'll close the show. We'll talk some recruiting with Brian Munson. You're listening here to the Husker Online show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Brian Munson, final segment of the show. Brian as talking recruiting, but obviously um, at least a slow time right now as everybody's um, in their in their fall camps, uh, not only at the Division One level but the high school level. I know in Nebraska we'll have high school football week zero. There's a there's one Class A game on week zero. It's actually a crossover BA game. It's Hastings versus Lincoln North Star. So we'll get a hmm. we'll, get, we'll get an appetizer of high school football um, on Friday here in, in Nebraska with Hastings and Lincoln North Star. Uh, but everything out here starts up. When does high school – you're down in Dallas, Brian. When do they start up? Are they um, the 28th, 27th that weekend? 28th, 27th. I don't think that there's a game, at least that I know of around here, that's earlier than that because that's, um, that's like week one. 
down here for those guys, and then they'll usually run three weeks of, of non-district play, and then they'll jump into district play. So some interesting things, though, obviously Nebraska quarterback, old quarterback prospect, Alex Orgy, just lives down the road from me, so I'll be down watching him. He's committed to Virginia Tech. Got my son's old high school. has got a commitment. Their quarterback's committed to Mississippi State. So a couple of good players here in the area I'm looking forward to watching, and obviously – uh, going to get a chance probably to go down and watch Mr. Torres play Nebraska commitment here later on in the month of, of September. Actually watch some of the videos that Mike had posted earlier this week on Husker Online, uh, kind of talking through, you know, what he's been doing this summer. And it, it just seems like that's a kid from talking to him, Sean, that he was really unsure of himself, like as a person and his communication skills. And I'm not sure if there's, you know, anything there that he's uncomfortable with. But he really feels like he's grown in confidence almost since his commitment. You know, like he's going to put that behind him. He knows where he's going to go. So I think Nebraska really has got to be happy with how this guy is kind of opening up and kind of maturing like right in front of their eyes. Yeah, we'll go down. You you and Greg uh, Peterson will head down there as well. And by the way, Richard Torres told me right now um, he's aiming to attend the Iowa game. So that's, that's kind of breaking news here. Richard and I have been t- uh, texting here tonight. Uh, let him know we were going to come down and watch him play. Um, so that will be good. And then we're going to go down and see uh, Ashton Page as well um, down in uh, Reno, Nevada. And th- those will be kind of the two guys I really want to get film on just because, you know, the quarterback and the running back. It's obviously not a class of a lot of guys are going to generate major highlights, but the quarterback and the running back are two guys uh, I'm excited for our team to go down and see this year. Absolutely. I thought – I, you know, it's kind of funny too. You watch that. You watch some of those clips from last season. That's a team that went two rounds deep, I think, in the playoffs, is what I heard. They're talking like this is, could be a team that could really make a nice little run based on where they're at with how they're going to get seated in the playoffs. Um, and they got some. They got some offensive line guys. It seems like they're taking a step forward. They got one skill position guy, a wide receiver. That's that's a pretty decent looking looking little prospect. So it should be fun to go down go down there and see how his team is kind of also kind of raise the bar with him being a division one recruit because it sounds like they just don't have a lot of talent typically around that area now brian uh nebraska's class um you know continuing to come together they're they're at nine commits but that defensive back board continues to be the mystery mark keith williams uh picked miami over the huskers and and I think Nebraska felt like they had a chance there. They they liked where they were at, but Markeith is staying close to home. Were you surprised at all by Markeith Williams to Miami? Uh, you know, I think we gotten some information that said that, you know, it, there was kind of a good vibe there. Markeith kind of, you know, I got him to answer the phone too, uh, leading up to his commitment. And he stated for the record that he didn't know where he was still going to go. Now, there were a lot of folks that were in that room that, that were wearing Miami green and orange, but mom had red hair. There were obviously Nebraska balloons tied to the table. That was very clear for everybody to see. Everybody on his Instagram uh, live feed, however, was was saying it's going to be the Canes. I think I was the only person on there that was pounding the table with, like, Nebraska red balloons, and I, I don't think they even noticed that I was even there. Um, but, no, I, I, I think that that's a disappointing one because I really liked his film. I didn't think Nebraska was really in on him until we saw his name come up for that weekend. Uh, so that's a big one for Nebraska to miss on. But there's another chance of another one this weekend, potentially. Yeah, that's one of those Travis Fisher guys where in the past, you know, he he's pulled – a random Florida guy out of his hat and, and just didn't work out. Now, another guy, Brian, that will be making an announcement here over the weekend, Nathan Vale, 
a three-star safety out of Kennesaw, Georgia, Kennesaw Harrison High School. He visited Nebraska back on June 18th. He's been to Duke. He's been to Georgia Tech, um, Boston College as well on there. He'll make his announcement here over the weekend. What's your read on Nathan Vale? There's a chance. And here's why I say, you know, so you're saying there's a chance. I feel like the, you know, Dumb and Dumber and, and Lloyd Christmas. But but here's here's why I think that there's potentially a chance. This was a guy that when he returned back to Georgia had said to me that he wanted to take additional visits this fall. We're not even there yet. We're, we're in the middle of August, and he is announcing his commitment date on the 21st. So he's not taking any other official visits, basically coming home from Nebraska. You know, he's been to Duke, like you said. He's been to, been to Georgia Tech. He had talked about going to Boston College. I think that he went there on an unofficial visit still before. But if Nebraska potentially has been trying to tell Nathan, you know, you're rolling the dice here with any availability on the class, um, and, you know, if we get into the month of September, you know, all bets are off because we're going to go out there. And we're going to start scouring things. We got we got Gaskins coming in the first weekend. We're going to bring in London Hall the, the early month of October. Who knows when they bring in Matthew James? Can we get Malik Spencer to go ahead and take a visit as well from Buford, Georgia? Who knows? But there is a possibility if they put the screws to him just a little bit, just as a reality that that spot could could end up going to somebody else. That's the that's the angle that I say it could be Nebraska. However, I, this is a smart guy. He really values academics. Georgia Tech, Duke, you know, some pretty outstanding academic schools. I I personally right now would not be comfortable putting in the future forecast, the future cast for Nebraska here. I think that right now, if I'm leaning towards somewhere, I think he's either staying close to home in Georgia Tech or he's going to Duke. But um, we'll try to get a better read here in the coming days to see what we can do for our our, uh, our subscribers here at Husker Online. You mentioned Quantivius Gumbo Gaskins, um, the quarter the mm. corner out of Georgia. You know, he was a guy, Brian, when he came to Nebraska's camp, he didn't even have a rival's profile. I created his profile that night at the That's camp, wild. and now he has offers from Georgia Tech, Kansas State, Missouri, South Carolina, Nebraska, and Vanderbilt along with East Carolina and Arkansas State. Still no star ranking. Can, can we get the man a star ranking at this point? He had a hell of a summer. <laughs> He's had a great summer. I mean, that's and that's where this is COVID-101, man. That's, that is exactly what we're talking about. This guy was off of everybody's radar. Now he's holding offers from the Big Ten, the Big 12, SEC. I mean, it's pretty wild, obviously, in the ACC, too. Uh, that that you know you can jump that far onto the under the radars. You know a lot of guys will tell you you don't make a visit to a school for summer camp, a D1 school, without having like that personalized invite to, to let somebody know that you're coming in. To come in where you're a complete and total unknown, except that maybe you've traveled in from Georgia to Nebraska. I'm telling you right there, that is the ultimate roll of the dice. He bet on himself, and it, it came up big. He came up big on that one. So uh, Gaskins, I think, is a really interesting dude, man, with his length. Um, and obviously Nebraska really liked him because they saw him back down to Tallahassee as soon as he left Lincoln. And then finally, Brian, how about this? Uh, the class of 2023 in the state of Nebraska, there are two four-stars already. And I, I think if you would have quizzed our board who the two four-stars would be for 2023 by Rivals.com, they would have told you Maverick Noonan and Tatum Tuioti. Well, guess what? Gunnar Gatula and Ben Bramer, both the Husker commits, are rated four stars on the early rivals rankings for 2023. Yeah, and Bramer's inside the 250. 
Um, you know, that's, and I, I think that you and I would both agree from a potential perspective, there probably isn't a, a, a more shiny star than Ben Bramer. I, I think that his 6'6", 200-pound frame, you know, legitimately will sit there and allow somebody to go ahead and go from Thomas Fedoni to bringing up a guy like Matt Herrian, who was also from Pierce, Nebraska. And, and I think that that's going to, you know, it kind of, you obviously see a lot of talent there. And then you put in Gunnar Gattula's, Gunnar Gattula's film and you go, man, he's, he's, his best days of playing football are still in front of him too. He's a longer guy. He's, he's six, six ish, you know, he's 255, 260 pounds. He's got great feet. He's a great athlete. You know, you could really see him developing into being one of those top D1 guys as well. And and I think that after that, like to your point, then you watch the Noonan film, then you watch the Tuyoti film and you're like, oh boy, like these guys are, are putting their ears back, getting after quarterbacks. You know, Noonan's holding offers from Arizona State, Iowa State, Michigan State, Missouri. And then and then Tuyoti, you know, after he picked up Utah State and then he got like Ole Miss in the, in the next couple of days and he's got Nebraska and Boise State and Cal and Washington and Washington State. And he's got a lot of other interests to kind of go along with that. So I think that it's a great sign that Nebraska's got the the two four stars in the class. I think that they have to re- return their focus, however, to Maverick and to Tuioti that that end up coming in number three and number four on my list, which will come in you know in the three and out here in the, in the next day or so. And then uh, obviously, then you got to kind of round that out. And I think that you know there's still two guys that could kind of end up being that fifth spot. We we decided to go ahead and go with Sam Sledge, who's a really nice looking two way lineman. Um, I, I think I actually honestly liked him better as a defensive guy. I think he could play a four technique, maybe something to keep an eye on there at six four two sixty four. He moves pretty good because he uh, he still played tight end for Creighton Prep in a couple of different situations that were on his huddle. But then you got Benny Nagoy, uh, obviously the wide receiver there from in, inside of Lincoln. What is he six four one seventy one seventy five ish and just like can jump out of the he's gym, a yeah he's a receiver he's a receiver yeah. Yeah, big-time receiver there that can just, like, jump and super explosive. And that's a guy that just needs to show that he can add weight to his add weight to his frame. He needs some junior film, and he needs to continue to test like he has been testing. And if he does that and really puts it together, he's going to get D1 offers because there's just no doubt. They don't, they don't come built like that. But if you can get to 6'4", 180-ish, you know, and still running great and still jumping fantastic and showing that he has all that athleticism, um, he's going to have D1 offers as well, and he's going to push for that number five spot. Well, lots to keep up with as we'll have plenty of fall camp coverage, and it's game week here as uh, Monday begins official game week preparations for Illinois. So make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.